Our scripture passage is uh, changed from what's in the bulletin. It's actually going to be 1 John, so not the Gospel of John, but the letter of John that's right close to the end of your Bible. You, you got 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, and then Revelation. So look all the way to the back almost, right before Revelation, and you'll find the book of 1 John, and we're going to be in chapter 4 and beginning in verse 7. So 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verse 7 is where you want to be turning. While you're turning there, let me mention, um, you know, we talked about we have the big fall festival uh, this Wednesday night. Uh, There are sign-up sheets to work games. There are sign-up sheets for cake auctions. And we we need those type of things for folks to bake things uh, for that, for the cakewalk. And we need folks to help work different games. So please make sure you sign up. Uh, invite others. There's a, on our Facebook page, there's a, a nice little event created that you can share and that you can go in there and you can invite other people. And um, if, if, you, uh, if you haven't already marked yourself as going to that, go ahead and mark yourself as going so other folks will know you go and that helps us uh, get the word out. But it's a, it's a great time of, of encouragement. Uh, it's, it's fun and fellowship for our folks, but it's also an opportunity to reach out in the community. Um, Some years we do this thing and we're like the only ones doing it on a particular night. Sometimes like this time, especially because it actually falls on October 31st, falls on a Wednesday, uh, there'll be plenty of churches doing things. That's fine because you know what that means is that instead of us maybe necessarily getting a whole lot of people who already have a church, it'll mean we'll have our church folks, and then we have, might have a good chance of getting plenty of folks who don't have a church anywhere, and we really want to reach out and minister. So I encourage you to look around on Wednesday and, and, and see those that, that you don't know and welcome them uh, to be here. Um, is that good, Becky? Okay, good. Uh, there are times in life, this has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way, but there are times in life where um, I, well, I always enjoy children's message, but you enjoy it more when your kids are older. <laughs> There's not that fear anymore. I'm just waiting. And when Margie said, sometimes mom and dad have fights, I figured we're about to get testimony right here. <laughs> I was perking up to see what was going to happen, but she quickly moved on and so we didn't get any good stuff, but uh, those, those are always fun, aren't they? 1 John uh, chapter 4, beginning of verse 7. Would you stand with me, please? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for uh, your incredible love for us. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would work among us, 
uh, just to draw us closer into that love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. So the title of this message is Money and the Manger, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, we've been, this is the conclusion of a month-long series uh, on money, money and me, we called it. And so the very first week, uh, we looked at money matters, the how money matters to God. It's, it's more important than just paying the bills and getting by. It's actually a way we invest in eternity by how we use our money in, in this world. And then week two, we looked at money mayhem, all the really dumb, foolish, sinful things you can do with your money. And, and, and really, they're just, I, I say they're dumb, they're not smart because they end in destruction. People think that they're getting their, their best life by being a, a hoarder or, or a waster or things, but in reality, uh, they're missing out. And uh, then last week, we looked at money management. We looked at how God would have us uh, use our money. We talked about five different habits that we can have uh, and, and use our money, manage it in the way God wants to. And so today, we, we close up with money in the manger and I want us to talk about um, some truths about uh, love and generosity, how those things go hand in hand. Now, here, here's the deal. This sermon is, three, is four points. I only have three of them. The last point is going to come from you, okay? So I want you to really keep up. I want you to take notes you know, on a piece of paper or on your, your, your phone or whatever, however you take notes. But you ever had seen those books that are you choose the ending book? You know, you make a decision and you choose. Well, that's kind of how this is a you choose the ending sermon today. So I'm going to give you the first three points, and then I'm going to ask you to come up with the last and concluding point. So you got to stay with me here. You know, you don't, you don't want to, I don't want to be sitting up here saying Bueller, Bueller, you know, anybody, and just, you know, trying to get some response. Uh, stay with me, okay? So. Three, three truths about God, love, and giving. Number one, truth. God is love. God is love. We learned that when we were little children, right? Here in, uh, here in verse 8, it tells us that. He who does not know, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Now, we learned that as, as children, we we hear a song, or at least I heard one, praise him, praise him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. And there's probably lots of other songs all about that. We sing today all about the love of God. And, you know, we hear a lot of attributes about God in the Bible, but, but they're kind of different. For instance, the Bible tells us that God is holy, but it doesn't say God is holiness. The, the Bible tells us, that God is kind, but it doesn't say that God is kindness. So God is kind, that's one of his attributes. But here, instead of saying God is loving, the Bible says God is love. So it's kind of different than anything else that he tells us about himself. All these other attributes, justice and truth and mercy, all those things are true, and they all describe God. But God is saying something here through the Apostle John that is central to who he is. And that is God is not only loving, God is love. 
God encompasses all that is love. You cannot begin to really understand what love is without understanding and knowing God. Now, we were all born into, uh, we were all made in God's image. So therefore, anyone, whether they're a believer or not, has, still has some of that image of God. And so, yes, people who don't know Jesus, they can still love, absolutely. But to really understand the depths of love, we have to understand God. God is love. It's one of the earliest things we learn at church when we're in the twos and threes, when they start teaching, you know, when it moves beyond just putting them in a cradle and changing diapers. Whenever that age, when we first start teaching, God is love. It's one of the very first things that we teach, and hopefully you teach uh, your children and grandchildren at home. And yet, although we might say, well, that's an elementary truth, that's a, that's a beginner truth, it is so profound that those of us who have been believers and followed God for years and years and years can say there's always more that we, have, that we need to learn, always more that we can experience of God's love. So we need to just kind of fix that truth in our mind. Number one, God is love. Number two, God's love compelled great sacrifice. God's love compelled great sacrifice. Look at verse 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God's love the Bible says, was manifested, or you can use the word demonstrated, through what he did on the Calvary, on the cross of Calvary. If you ever wonder, does God love me? Things are going crazy in my life. I don't understand what's going on. This relationship is falling apart, or this illness is happening, or this thing going on in my family. Does God really love me? And we ask those questions because we look at the circumstances around us and what we're going through, and God says, look at the cross. If you ever wonder about my love, look at the cross. This concept is all throughout Scripture. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his, uh, Christ demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, we were still sinners, we didn't have anything in us, okay? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't get on that cross because you were so good and like, oh, well, I guess they're worthy of me dying for them. No, he got on that cross and all of us being unworthy of what he did. And yet he did it anyway because of his love. And so God's love is demonstrated. In other words, God tells us that he loves us and that's wonderful. All of us like to hear that we are loved. You know, it's a great thing, unless it's a sarcastic or, or, or we don't think it's, you know, true or meaningful. We like to hear that we're loved. But hearing those words means nothing if it's not backed up by loving action. And the Bible says God demonstrates, he manifests, he shows and proves his love for us through his great generosity. You see, that's where the title of, of this message came from money and the manger. It comes from John 3, 16. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. 
God loved us so much that he talked about it? No, that he did something about it. He demonstrated his love for us. God loved us so much that he gave. And what did he give? He'd already given this world all sorts of wonderful gifts and blessings, physical and spiritual and everything, but he gave the most precious thing to him. He gave the greatest sacrifice he could possibly give, and that is he gave his son for us. And that was not a thing that the father forced and the son went against. No, just like we just said in Romans, Christ willingly, he loved us enough. It was a willing gift on the part of God to sacrifice for us. So, Number one, God is love. Number two, God's love compels great sacrifice in us. And number three, we are to love like God. Verse seven says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The interesting thing about being called Christians is that it means little Christs. Christ followers, it was a negative term, it was a derogatory term. Christians didn't call themselves that at first. Other people called them, you Christians. And they were saying, oh, you little Christs. You think you're just like him. You want to act like him. You want to behave like him. You want to live by his words and follow his teachings. And Christians, the early Christians who were just called believers or followers or disciples, they said, yeah, we kind of like that term, Christians. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We're trying to follow the example of Jesus Christ who went before us. So you know what? This term that you use as an insult toward us, we're actually going to take it and we're going to embrace it and we're saying that's who we are. We are followers of Christ as he laid down an example for us. So we are supposed to do likewise. We are supposed to live in the way he lived. God called us to love. It makes it so much different when he puts his commands in that form. You know, there's a, a passage in Philippians that tells us to be, be kind and tenderhearted to one another, forgiving one another. And we're like, oh, okay, I can do that on a you know, pretty decent level like most folks. I'm not any more bitter than anybody else. I forgive most of the time. But then he has to go on and say, just as Christ forgave you. And then it's like, wow, you mean I have to forgive everything? Completely, totally. I have to let it go. I have to not hold on to my bitterness and anger and rage. I don't have to, I have to not store it up to where I can zap them later on when we get in an argument the next time. Yes, you forgive. Just like God says, I'm casting it as far as from the east as to the west. I'm letting it go. We're to forgive completely. We're to love completely. Our lives are based on these fundamental truths that God is love, 
That his love is not just talk, but it is demonstrated by deep, deep sacrifice for us. And so God has called us to follow him in deep sacrifice ourselves. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Just as Christ was an example to us. So we had that hymn book reading, that responsive reading. And he gave lots of scriptures that talked about giving and generosity. And, and, and you know, there's a, there's a million ways you can preach on giving. And you can go into the fine points of it and look at the Old Testament, how even before the law ever came, the concept of tithing was already there. And then it was enshrined in the law. And, and, and then Jesus even uh, commended it. And then you can, you can look and learn about how Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And, and you can talk about how, you know, when you don't do what God has called you to do, that, hey, Book of Malachi says won't go so well for you. But hey, on the other hand, it says that there's some, you know, real blessings. And God says, test me and try me and, and, and see what I won't do if you don't give. And, and we can look at all the verses that talk about both giving towards the Lord's work and for giving for our fellow mankind and, and being generous. And there's so many of them out there. I mean, Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven or hell. Because he understood that what we think and what we do with money is at the heart of who, where our heart is. Where your treasure is, Jesus said, there will your heart be also. There is a connection between this thing that we think is so unholy, and yet God says this thing called money, this thing called possessions, is connected intimately with your heart. And what you do with these things determines who you are. It shows where your priorities, where your real loves and concerns and cares are. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up with point four now. Let's just call this a tag team, okay? It's like I'm coming down to each of you and I'm saying tag. Remember the old wrestling tag team matches? I, I've lost it, folks. I ran out of, let's say I ran out of time or I lost inspiration. And I couldn't come up with point four of the sermon. How in the world am I going to conclude all this? You know God is love. You know that God's love compelled great sacrifice. You know that we're to love like God loved. What does that tell you? And I want you to write that down, and, and this is for you, your eyes only. <laughs> I'm not going to say pass them toward the center aisle and the elders will pick them up, no. <laughs> this is for you only. I'm not going to call on you. But I want you to say, what's the conclusion, what's the application for me of these truths? And we're going to make this really nice by play something on the piano for us, softly and tenderly. There's going to be some music playing. And I'm going to give you about a minute to write down what your conclusion to this sermon will be. Go.
Now, here's the nice thing. Because you made up the last point of the sermon, if you get convicted and come forward during the invitation, you did it. I mean, it was your great fourth point that helped you out, okay? Convicted you. No, seriously, it's been said that we learn more from what we say than from what anyone else says. I don't know why it is, but we just kind of happen to think that we're pretty smart, you know? We start to talk things out, and then all of a sudden, we say something, we're like, wow, that's good. You know, I'm profound. <laughs> Some of you, yeah, don't, don't pretend like you haven't had that experience. I know you have, okay? So, whatever God said to you and to you alone, I, I hope that you will take the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to put this into practice. Whatever you're telling me, whatever you're teaching me, God, I want you to do it in my life. I want you to help me live up to this. Because ultimately, we can give all the shoulds and all the ought tos and all the guilts and the you oughtos and all the, oh, you're going to be so blessed. And we can say all the things in the world about, and they may do something shortly and temporarily. But in the end, if our heart is not a heart of love like God's, then we won't give like God gave to us. And his standard for us is to be like him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for your ultimate love. It was greater and higher than any love that we could ever imagine. We, we just... Our minds are blown, trying to conceive of how you could do what you did for us. And God, I just pray that um, you'd help us to be where we need to be. Father, that we would look out for those in need. That we would reach out to touch them. Father, I pray that um, you'd help us to have a heart that gives like your heart. And God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.